Hey folks, welcome to the podcast. We got a doozy of a one for you this week. Uh, a lot of fun on this one. But before we get there, let's head to our sponsors of today's show. The Lloydminster Regional Health Foundation would like to thank our local healthcare team who responded so quickly to the COVID-19 pandemic. Our local hospital leaders moved fast to secure life-saving supplies for our frontline staff. And within, our, and within days, our hospital had a strong stock of life-saving supplies from the local community. This happened because of you, our donors. Thanks to the strong support from all of our donors over many years, our frontline workers are empowered to care for all of us through the Lloydminster Regional Health Foundation. If you're looking for ways to help, a COVID-19 emergency fund has been started. While there's no pressure to give in these uncertain times, we are taking donations to cover a variety of items that have already been purchased or still need to be purchased. The Health Foundation encourages those looking to donate to call us at 306-820-6161 or online at lrhf.ca backslash donate. Lionel and Kelly Durier from Reynolds Plumbing. They're open for business, residential and commercial plumbing and heating. Regular hours, Monday to Friday, 8 to 5 p.m. Temporary closed to walk-ins. Please phone ahead so they can be prepared for social distancing measures. Reynolds has been serving the Lloydminster and surrounding area for over 40 years. Give them a call, 780-875-3405. Chris Weeb, Kiva Concrete, open for business, specializing in commercial and agricultural and residential. Basements, floors, driveways, sidewalks, patios, garage pads, shops, barns, and countertops. If you can dream it, they can build it. Give the boys a call, 780-871-1083. Kenny Rutherford, Rutherford Appraisal Group. In these difficult times, if you're in need of any appraisal work from bank loans, setting a fair purchase price, whether you're buying or selling any type of real estate, shop, home, farms, cabins, restaurants, you name it, give Kenny, a call, 306-307-1732. Factory Sports, Taylor Holt and Nathan Mullet. Give the boys a call. They'll hook you up. Summer season is upon us. That means hopefully, uh, well, some sports are maybe opening up. If not, they got a plethora, plethora of bikes there. Give them a call or go on uh, Instagram. Check out their Factory Sports bikes handle and uh, you can see all the different items they got there give them a call 306-825-7678 carly Kloss and windsor plywood open regular hours call ahead so they can open with uh uh they can help with physical distancing they have curbside pickup or free in-town delivery while this current situation is at hand call and ring at cr sales and marketing is hoping everyone is staying healthy and safe if you're looking for a unique and cost-effective approach to sales and marketing within the oil and gas industry, give Colin a call today, 780-871-1417. Corey Dubik, Midwest Flooring. They're open regular hours. Call, stop in, or shop online. Abbey Road, Flowers and Gifts. Temporary closed to walk-ins, but are doing curbside pickup and free in-town delivery. They're open 10 a.m. to 2 p.m., 780-875-2211. Wander and Wild Apparel has teamed up with Let's Walk the Talk. Uh, if you go online and buy any of the Let's Walk the Talk gear, $10 goes to uh, Let's Walk the Talk. The rest obviously goes to Wander and Wild. They've teamed up. It's a good cause. The money comes back to the community. Uh, Grid Athletics, check them out on Instagram or Facebook. They still have a deal going on. Or if you spend $100, you get $25 back to a local business of your choice. Reminder to sus- subscribe. And leave some feedback, whatever platform you're using while listening to the podcast. Oh, and I should point out that it is now on YouTube, so you can see video of today's 
podcast if you so choose. Here is your factory sports tale of the tape. He was born and raised in Lloydminster, undrafted in the WHL Bantam draft, hard to believe. 2002, he won an AJHL championship with the Drayton Valley Thunder. 2003, drafted 74th overall by the Buffalo Sabres. In 2004, he won a WHL championship with Medicine Hat Tigers. 05, he won a World Junior Gold on the absolute best World Junior Team Canada has ever seen. No argument. There's no argument. And uh, his NHL career saw him play 552 games. Uh, he scored 133 goals, 171 assists for 304 points. He spent time with the Buffalo Sabres, Atlanta Thrashers, Toronto Maple Leafs, and the Ottawa Senators. I'm talking about no other than Clark MacArthur. So enjoy this one without further ado. Okay, well... Welcome to the Sean Newman Podcast. Today I'm joined by Mr. Clark MacArthur. Thanks for joining me, big fella. Yeah, thanks for having me. So uh, we were supposed to do it yesterday, but it kind of fell through. So uh, the first thing I got to get to is everywhere I go around Lloyd, I hear about uh, Clark. And if I've got him on yet, and if I can get him on to ask him about if he does, in fact, golf with Michael Jordan. Yeah. <laughs> I do. Uh, we moved down here, what, three years ago now? So I met him through a, a friend of mine who plays on the PGH Tour. Jordan lives uh, in Jupiter as well. And uh, I joined this golf club called The Medalist. And uh, my buddy Dom was like, hey, do you want to come out and play with Michael Jordan, like this group, and I like heard about this game. It's like a, you know, obviously it's a big deal out here. Um, they got like six or seven guys. There's no, there's no rules out here in Florida for golf. Really, you can play a six some, seven some. So I'm like, yeah, yeah, let's go. I want to play for sure. And uh, you know, I'm like, how much do I got to play for? Like, because obviously he's gonna gamble and whatever. And uh, he's like, oh, you can play him for like 500 bucks. So I'm like, all right, I'll, I'll, I'll give it a try. And uh, so that night I was all nervous, you know, cause I, you know, I obviously never met him, watched a lot of his videos, always like loved him as an athlete. So I get, I get to the course and uh, we're all hitting balls. There's like six guys <clears throat> and uh, hitting, hitting range balls, hitting range balls. I'm like, what's going on? Where is the guy? So then we all go to the putting green. We're putting a little bit. And then you just hear like this, wah, 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 wah. like he's got all these Ferraris. So he like wheels in whatever opens the door gets in his cart he's got like his you know his drinks are set up there he's got his own personal cart like his own jordan cart because he's so big and he just he drives right by so he's like let's go right to the first tee you know so we all go and uh yeah that was pretty much that's pretty much the way it started so i ended up breaking even with him that day and every every round we play we play 36 holes every day we play four days a week 36 holes and we do it in like five hours with six guys, six caddies, six carts. And we just, my dad comes out. You got to ask my dad about it. He comes out and does a little side gambling. Um, he rides in the car with me and bets against him all the time. So it's pretty funny. So you're golfing with him four days a week? Yeah. 36 holes tiring. a day. Yeah, it's more tiring than when I played hockey. <laughs> <laughs> Especially when you mix of beers in there too once in a while. That's unbelievable. You know, I, um, the documentary, I mean, 
COVID, I don't know how we can get into it, but you know, like everything's shut down. And if I, you know, in 10 years when my kids are older and they ask me, what do you remember about COVID-19? I'm going to be like, well, X, Y, Z, Tiger King and the Michael Jordan documentary, right? Like that's, yeah. that's pretty much what you're going to remember. And you're in the land yeah. of where Michael Jordan's there. Oh, wait, and the Tiger King's there too. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. The Tiger King is something too. Wow. I thought my life was messed up. <laughs> I think they take it to a whole new level there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I, uh, so MJ ended up, he opened his own golf course last year called the Grove 23. So we all, all the guys that play, the same guys played Dwight Freeney, the NFL player, myself, uh, Darren, this other guy that Mike's been hanging out with for like 20 years. And then a couple other guys play. We played, uh, with Charles Oakley yesterday. He's pretty funny, dude. There's some cool guys like, uh, my locker stall. It's literally my, myself, Keegan Bradley, Michael Jordan, Tom Brady, Phil Mickelson, this in this first little row, it's MJ always jokes. He's like, he's like, I don't know how you got in here. He's like, this is supposed to be the pro athletes in this row. <laughs> he loves the, he loves to let me know how average I was when I was, when I was playing. Have you watched the the documentary? Yeah, I've been watching it. Yeah. He is, he never stops then, eh? Never. Never stops letting you know how great he is. <laughs> yeah, he's pretty funny. He's exactly, what you see is exactly what he is every day. Like the switch goes on and he's, he's built for uh, being in front of the lights for sure. Uh, you mentioned other guys in there. Have you golfed with Tom Brady then? I haven't golfed with him, no. No, met him there a uh, couple weeks ago. I met him, but play with Dustin Johnson, Ricky Fowler a bunch. Um, Rory McIlroy's out here. I haven't got to play with him either. I guess he's pretty exciting to watch. And Don Bazzelli, he's a good buddy of mine. He's on tour, so I play with him. Keegan, um, all those guys are out here. A lot of, obviously, it's a good spot to practice when they're, <clears throat> when they're on their off weeks and stuff, so get a lot of a lot of good golfers how's your golf game come along golfing with the likes of that it's it's good now i'm about from scratch you know from uh, all the courses we play out here i play i play to a scratch in our game we all we have a set game with uh jordan we, all our shots are i gotta give him a shot on each side he's like a two handicap and just works its way through all the guys games have to match up because there's a lot of action going on with everybody so you got to, everyone's numbers got to match up. <laughs> it's unreal. I bet, you know, when you were walking way back when, when you first started golfing with those guys, you're like, how on earth am I sitting in this room? I mean, you've yeah. had a great career, but Tom Brady, Michael Jordan are the epitome of greatness. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty cool. It's funny how, certain things happen, you know, I get injured and I'm upset about that. And then we move here and then like this whole new chapter opens up and it's been pretty fun. So the whole thing has been a pretty fun ride. Not bad for uh, coming from Lloyd Minster, you know, it's pretty yeah. cool to get to see what I've, I'm lucky to get to see uh, some of the stuff I've been able to see. Well, let's start there. Let's go back to, to time in Lloyd Minster. <laughs> I watched a interview you had with uh, it was, after you'd scored the OT winner 
in uh, what that have been game. Which one? Which one? I had so many. Had so many. <laughs> game six in auto when you you were with Ottawa in the playoffs after coming back off your injury, and Ron McLean had uh, your parents call you and they yeah. kind of partially interviewed you, and uh, I thought I thought it, hey, it was really well done. Anytime you get to listen to Ron McLean, he's he's the best at what he does. He's but, great. Uh, yeah, it's great. You you said growing up, your parents taught you um, many lessons. You said good ones and tough ones, and I thought maybe we could elaborate on that because I was wondering what were some of the lessons you learned uh, early on. I think I can't. You know, when I go when I think back on it, my dad. I mean, he'd piss me off. We'd we'd go at it a lot, but like when I really think back on it now, like now that it's all over and remembering like kind of what he did. I mean, he was like a genius as far as, you know, at the time I'd get so upset with like some of the stuff, but he was setting me up for like, this is going to be hard. This road's going to be hard. No one's going to, you know, there's going to be no pity party. No one cares if you don't make it. You, you know, he's like, if you want to, get out of Lloyd and do this and it's going to be hard. And, um, they were, they were hard on me. My mom was always kind of the one I could talk to a little more about it. And, uh, but at the same time, they, they built me up to, you know, even, even if he'd, you know, get pissed off at me for my work ethic or something one night, he would always reassure how good I am. And he was really good at boosting my confidence. And, uh, and I needed that big time when you get to pro and, all the way through there's just little obstacles all the way through and I was built and ready for it well when you uh look at your career path I I I think it's um you had to you had to grind through some things like you're you're a guy who's one of the most successful players to come out of this area um but you're never taken in the Bantam draft and I you know I can't remember myself particular if I recall the Bantam draft but for you, uh, where you were at your career, even then, do you remember that pissing you off? That killed me. I was so upset when, uh, just because I had good years, but we were in Lloyd and I don't know if like, it wasn't, they didn't see me enough or I, I mean, obviously you, we played back in the day. It was, I was small, you know, I, but I, I, I had skills and I had, but I, I just kind of got overlooked and, uh, I was devastated about it. And, and then as the uh, weeks went on to make it worse, like that's, that's when they start giving out letters, you know, Derek Gervais. Um, I'm just trying to think of some guys, Lee Zalaski, just the good, good players in town. Uh, Chapman, all these guys would get, I think Chapman was actually drafted, but they they were getting letters to, for invites to go to the, and I, and I didn't get a letter, not one letter. And I, I think, I'm not positing this. You have to look back on it, but I think I led the league in scoring that year with Lee. I think we were both one and two, or I can't remember how it went, but so I was kind of like, I don't know what, you know, and my parents were kind of like baffled by it too, a little bit like they're, they, you know, and I remember, uh, I remember my mom like calling and trying to figure out what was going on. And then, uh, Mike Winninger, um, was a scout in medicine hat and my dad knew him. And I think that's how I got a look from Medicine Hat. But my, I remember my mom that summer was like, we're, you're going to go to Edmonton and you're going to play 
you're going to play in um, the summer league in Edmonton, like the AAA tournaments. She's like, we're, you know, and I was like, I don't want to go, you know, I want to stay home, just hang out with my buddies and golf. And she was like, no, like we're going, you know, you're, you're going to do this, whatever. And I went there and I played really good the whole summer, like at these tournaments with like the so-called first round picks of the draft of the Bantam draft. And I didn't see any difference between them and me. Like I really didn't. And uh, that's what made me move to Strathcona the next year to play against all those guys. Just to try and get a, on a bigger level, a bigger, bigger scale, more, more site opportunities for the scouts. Yeah, exactly. And, and then I, I finished second in scoring in that league that year in uh, Strathcona. And then that was it after that I had, you know, I had some medicine hat was obviously trying to get me to sign. And there's a bunch of other teams that were giving me like opportunities. And then, uh, so that was kind of, that was kind of a coming out party, I guess, for, for me. When you look back on that, Clark, was it maybe one of the better things that happened to you? Did it, you know, like, it, no, oh, not getting, not getting passed drafted. over. Yeah. Yeah. You know, when it, it, it was, cause it just like lit a fire under me that, I was just like playing pissed off all the time after that, like trying to prove to everyone. And I felt like I did that a lot of my career just because I wasn't the greatest player. I wasn't the biggest guy. I wasn't the strongest. I wasn't, you know, and I was always just like, had like a chip on my shoulder and, you know, I was like, I belong here too. Or I, I don't know. I just used it to fuel me all the time. Yeah. Well, I, I think I read somewhere you, you get cut from, or not cut, you get sent down from Med Hat, you go play Drayton Valley, and that year you go from like five foot four and grow like six inches or something. Yeah. So I got a good story about this too. Like this, everyone in town that knows my dad, this is great too. So I get cut from Medicine Hat. So basically I had a good camp and they're like, you're, you're making it at 16. They're like, you're going to make it. We're going to get you a billet tomorrow. I, so I went home after the game, called my dad, my mom, like, I, I'm going to make the team. Like, they just told me I'm getting a billet. So I was all pumped up. Next day I go in there, and the general manager goes, we made a mistake. You need one more year. We're not going to be a good team this year. We want you to go play. So I was like, I was so mad, you know, because I was like, Western Hockey League is like the NHL for the kids, right? I mean, that's like the league. So you get all your status. You you know, like trying to get a girl to date me and Lloyd, you, know, you, gotta, you gotta be <laughs> so whatever. So I come home and I'm thinking, okay, worst case, like I can play for the Blazers. You know, they're, I think they're the Blazers at the time, weren't they? Yeah. I think they were called the Blazers. Yeah. I think they're the Blazers. So they had this bonehead of a coach, Wayne Labrie, I think was his name. I don't even know. Do you know which coach I'm talking about? I mean, I know, I know. I can't remember the. Well, there was a there was a stretch of about three or four of them. I can't remember all their names, but I remember yeah. when I was trying out, he told me to go try out somewhere else, and I ended up playing junior in a different town. And I just remember watching you uh, not play there as well, and others. And I mean, but I I so, know who you're talking about. So we go sit down with them, thinking I'm going to be you know top player on the team. Uh, I'll stay in Lloyd. This would be great. I can stay, go to high school in Lloyd, play one more year here. And so we go into this meeting, my dad and I and the coach, and he's like, uh, you know, Clark might be able to fill in on the fourth line here and there. Like he's going to have to earn his way into 
whatever. And my dad goes, listen, buddy. <laughs> and my dad was my biggest fan. So, and I love him for that, but he, he's like, he's going to be the best player on your team, let alone. And I'm sitting there like, am I, am I dad? <laughs> you know, like, and uh, he goes, we're not, he's not playing here on your fourth line or you're in and out of the lineup. He's like, Drayton Valley, the best team in the league's been calling us for two weeks. We're trying to make it work with you guys because we want him to stay in town. You know, Drayton's going to have him play on the second line, which I did the whole year. Um, and, uh, yeah, we, th- this guy was – it was like – I don't know what it was with the Blazers back then. I mean, Scotty Hartnell went through there, and I think Reds played there too. And they did they, – it worked out for them. But, like, I know Lee Zalaski was a really good hockey player in juniors, and he went back there, and they, they gave him the runaround too, and he – yeah, I mean, he guy played in the Western Hockey League for four or five years. I mean, like, I don't, I don't know what it was. Like, they're upset that we're from Lloyd, and you, normally you like the guys from Lloyd. You know, I don't know, I don't know what it was, but I, that was another great thing that happened at the time. I was so homesick and upset because I didn't want to go to Drayton Valley, especially when you pull in there. I mean, Lloyd looks like Vegas compared to that place. So <laughs> I get there, and they got like a full like all-star team I play second line we rip it up and we win the whole thing I mean every time we played Lloyd I'm like god I want to just kick their ass every single time and that Labrie would like send guys out to try and fight me like challenge me it was it was unbelievable it was hilarious but that was uh that was such a fun year I remember scoring the first time we came to Lloyd I think I got the game-winning goal in the whatever it was like five minutes left in the third and I scored and I was like it's couldn't be any better right now. Anyway, I still love Lloyd. I have nothing against Lloyd. I love Lloyd. I love the people in Lloyd. I was just, uh, it was just like, it gave me such a sour taste of, I just didn't get it. You know, I didn't understand. I still don't. I think uh, our group, that, that stretch of years that you talk about, I was right smack. Well, I was a year younger than you. And yep. we all experienced that. I mean, yep. I'm not even putting myself in in the same boat as you but we all experienced the um confusion of the leadership at that time of you yeah. know there was talented hockey players in Lloyd and none yeah. of them stuck around Lloyd or very few I shouldn't say not all of them there was a, there was a bunch that just left and I mean you talk about Lee that's funny I hadn't heard about Lee but Lee's won national championships with the U of A right oh yeah yeah and he, he was a great western player. hockey league player you know like he was a like a heart, like a two-way second-line player in the Western League. Like, I mean, it was like if you were from Lloyd, it was harder to make the team. They'd rather have someone come in from out of town where normally, you know, to fill the rank, you want some locals. I mean, I don't know. Anyway, you got me all pissed off now. <laughs> Trying to enjoy my day. Welcome to to the <laughs> – uh, welcome to the podcast there, Clarky. I'm, en- I'm enjoying it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Me too. But, you know, once again, though, I go, it's probably the best thing that happened to you. It, it was a blessing in disguise. Yep. You end up not playing for Lloyd, and maybe things would have worked out perfectly. Instead, you, I don't know if you dodge a bullet, if we can call it that, but you, you end up going to the top team in the AJ and winning it. Yeah, that was... That's still to this day. I mean, we won in the Western Hockey League, too. The AJHL one was my favorite one to win. I don't know what it was. Like, just a good, like, group of guys. But it was 
we played till like June that year. Went to the we went to the Doyle Cup and we should have won that too. Um, against Chilliwack, they had a really good hockey team too. But that was such a fun year. My par- it was nice being close to home too. You know, my parents could come to the games. I, I liked having. I missed that when I played in the NHL. I missed having my <clears throat> parents come to the games. And I used to, let, you know, when I played in Medicine Hat or I don't know, it was like a. It was like a. I just felt better, felt safe. I don't know what it was. I, when they were in the crowd, I always felt better, and um, I miss I miss that when you when we, you know, I had to move move away where that wasn't doable anymore. Well, and I'm I think like your dad coached you in hockey all growing up, and then Deb obviously coached us in ball all the yep. way through. Like those were we got a couple of rings in ball too. Yeah, we did. We were a freaking yeah. good team. I mean, I got to play with you guys every second year, right? But every yeah. second year, we just dominated. Yeah, that was fun. It's nice having your mom coach too. Always got to play. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those are some fun times, man. That ball season. I I couldn't when hockey was over. I couldn't wait to do that ball. So fun. Did you miss these kids it play? Oh, sorry. No, I said these kids nowadays. It's I feel bad for the kids now because it's a twelve month sport, and if you don't do it, you can't keep up because. You know, you had you had these parents that are trying to do anything to get their kids to the NHL, and you should play golf, you should play tennis, you should be playing. I remember you, I used to see Scotty Hartnell playing tennis over at Bud Miller, like in the summers, like he guys playing the NHL. Like you got to take a break, give those muscles a break, like those your groins and your hips, and you know, play ball, like put a chew in, hit one out of the park. It's great. <laughs> Just kidding, mom, not a chew, but. Big league chew. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I was, uh, I was telling the wife, I was explaining to her, uh, wife's from Minnesota. She's not a hockey person. She has no idea who you are. Which what? Is, uh, yeah, from which Minnie is, and not a hockey person, huh? Oh, uh, that's a crazy thing. They, they call it the hockey state, but uh, mm-hmm. it doesn't even compare to anywhere in Canada, which, I mean, probably shouldn't be surprising. Yeah, but that's true. That's fair. I was telling her uh, – uh, a funny little story about you that uh, my first beer, my first alcoholic beverage ever came at uh, the expense of you and the Kuzak brothers. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Where the heck was that? At the Kuzaks. Somehow we were all at over their farm? there at their farm. Oh, okay. Were we uh, that, like gopher hunting and stuff? I remember it, uh, we snuck I had some uh, concussions. I can't even remember. Uh, <laughs> I can't remember yesterday. Yeah, Landon yeah. and Shane will get a kick if they're if they're listening to this. But we, yeah, we were at yeah, those guys at, are awesome. Uh, we're at their farm one night. I honestly I can't remember all the details, but I remember it was Mike's hard lemonade, and I thought I remember thinking, "Geez, that ain't so bad," because I can't remember how old we were. Yeah. And uh, and then we tried eighteen, a, probably right? At least that's 18, right, eighteen yeah. for sure, eighteen. <laughs> and then we tried a we there was nothing else, so we tried a prohibition, which was which is not alcoholic be- a beer, right? But at the time, I was like, yeah. Ah, they have beer. This is terrible. Why the hell would you drink this? Yeah. That's so funny. It had been, I only went there once. I think I only stayed over there once. We were like in the truck shooting gophers. Yeah. Like we're talking. Crushing suds. (laughs) (laughs) If I told anyone here, like I'm in Florida, if I ever told, like, I, I should just tell that story, like about. If I said gopher hunting, I mean, I don't even think anyone have a clue what the, uh, I was talking about. 
I would just go for I for my thirty uh, fourth birthday a week ago. I went out and crushed Pilsner and, and shot Gophers. That that was the day. It was perfect. Can't beat it. Can't beat it. It's good times. How has COVID been down there? Like with everything going on. It's all right. I mean, it doesn't feel like what you're seeing in the media here. Like it feels like people are still getting out. We get out on the boat all the time, and people are gathering. It seems like. Uh, I went to this dive bar, it's called. I was getting takeout the other night. It's like three nights ago. And uh, the place was packed. No one had a mask on. I was like, look at these animals. I'm like, we're going to be going right back to lockdown. I mean, it's crazy. Waitresses had masks, but no one else. Everyone's just hanging out. I mean, <laughs> just unreal. So, I don't know. I think people have gone so crazy that they rather get it then sit at home and you know hide they're like i don't care i'm going out i'm gonna party i'm going out for dinner i'm gonna lose my mind so it's it's uh it's definitely different here from uh like new york or something you read those stories i mean they're they're living in hell there yeah well and i'm pretty thankful for where we're at we're you know canada we're all spread out we i mean there's some big centers but other than that we're I always laugh, like, it gets minus 40 out here. You don't want to go over to anyone's house anyways. You're just like, just yeah. leave me indoors. Keep the heat on. Yeah. You're in the prairies. That wind just blows the COVID right through there anyway. <laughs> you ever, just, uh, do you miss living up here at all? I mean, you're living in freaking Florida. The the sunshine, the, the water, the golf courses, everything is beautiful yeah. down there. Yeah. I, I mean, I like it here. It's great. I mean, do I miss living in Lloyd per se? No, like I haven't been there for a long time. The weather's my necks are already absolutely absolutely in shambles. I don't think I could take that minus forty anymore. I wouldn't be able to turn it. But I I do when I when we come home. Like we came back last Christmas and surprised my parents with the kids, and um, it was cold as hell. But I I got that little like tingling in my stomach every time I like come into town there. Um, just all the good memories, you know, with Tyler Dugan, Jay Clark, all those guys used to hang out with us kids and going up to like Minnesquan Lake. And so I love the prairies in the summer. I mean, I don't know what it is about looking at a field with, you know, where it's just a never ending. I don't know why that feels good to me, but it does. Can't, I don't know how to explain anything else besides that, but it's a, definitely home. When I used to come home from Ontario, I uh, grew up on a farm, obviously. And uh, as soon as I hit Saskatchewan, I shit you not, every single year, I get stuck behind a cattle hauler. And the smell yeah. of manure was like, ah, it smells home. like home, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy how there's just certain things that you, you know, it just takes you right back to when you're a kid or whatever. But I definitely cherish the the years i had in lloyd growing up there for sure how uh you, how are you feeling i mean like uh, that's probably feel, another thing that gets asked around here an awful lot is there just isn't much talk of it right or people don't know i guess yeah i uh as far as my head i'm fine you know i've i feel like i fully recovered um my neck was the problem like between i have a between my C2 and C3, I have no jelly left in between there. So it's like 
bone it's like rubbing all the time so i had to get if i wanted to continue playing i would have had to get a neck fusion and that's when i said that's it i'm done like because uh, a good friend of mine Derek dorsett who i play with in medicine hat he had the same problem he got the neck fusion literally 10 games into the next season he got hit and it, and it separated and then it's just a mess you know if you get if you get a fusion in your neck like no matter what like i want to be able to golf i want to be able to still play softball like that stuff just hinders your uh, mobility so i got to get it worked on all the time every week or two i do maintenance on it and whatever but pretty good for playing as long as i did i mean there's guys in way worse shape and guarantee there's a a guy an oil change guy in lloyd that's backs in way worse shape than my neck you know so i'm I'm not complaining (laughs) when you when when you go to uh you win the aj and you finally crack the dub right you you you, i think probably that year you're like i'm making the tigers i don't think there's any doubt in your mind or they've probably already talked to you i mean you just freaking won the aj and set the world on fire kind of thing like how cool was it to finally step into the whl it was and i'm glad i didn't play at 16 because it would have been a lot of growing pains and uh playing it in the alberta junior at 16 i got to work on my skills i got to i used to go to the rink at lunchtime we i remember the town was so small i had class in the morning and i would literally my last class is over at like 11:45 i would literally go over to the rink cuz i didn't I barely knew anyone the the team they're all 20 and 19 we had an old team like we had an older veteran team and I would go skate at our rink put my gear on because I'm like this is unreal we got our own lockers we got our own I would just drive over there and skate for an hour at lunch eat my sandwich on the way there skate shoot go back to school for the last hour and then go back to practice for two hours you know after after school so I got so much time and I put so much effort into it that year that when I got there at 17, I was like, all right, screw you guys. Like, I belong here. And you, you had every, all three years there, uh, Clark. You were about as consistent as it could be on putting up points and being a contributor to that team. Yeah, I had – we had a great coach there, Willie Desjardins. And uh, you, I was I was a fire pistol. I mean, you, you remember me in sports. But I mean, I was, you know – when I think back on some of the stuff, it's not like I was had the greatest attitude. I had to learn a lot. But when I got to, when I got with Willie, he 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 unloaded on me. I mean, I was banging my stick, I, you know, taking dumb penalty, and he really dialed me down. Uh, he's healthy. Scratched me a couple times. Like just said, "You're out tomorrow." Okay, like I love you as a player. You're, we're not trading you. We love you, but you got to sit out. He's like, I got to make an example. You can't punch a guy, you know, and take a 10 minute misconduct. Like, I, you know, I would just blow up. And then as I, he kind of reined me in and I got better and better at it, became a better teammate. And, and, you know, I felt like throughout my NHL career, if people talked about me, I was always a, you know, a good teammate where when I played with you, maybe or in Peewee or they would have said the guy was shithead, you know? I remember having so, words with you on the ice. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I had words with everybody, I'm sure. But That's I, probably true. I was so intense and so, yeah. you know, and I couldn't, I didn't know how to handle it. And uh, it really, really flipped that around for me. And it was, I would have never made it otherwise. 
What was it like getting scratched the first time? I mean, because I was one of the top players on the team, so it was like it wasn't like, hey, Clark had a bad game, we're going to sit him out. And, like the papers are on it. Like, why is he sitting out? Like, why is you know, like what's going on? Like, and then so I just told the paper or the newspaper, I I'm like, I can either, you know, Willie said if you want to say you're sick, or what you, you say whatever you want, you're sitting out. And I remember thinking, should I just? It was my draft year. I'm like, should I just say that I'm sick, and then no one will know. And then I'm like, screw that. So I'm like, yeah, I took a bad penalty. I was, you know, hurt our team. And uh, I just took it, took it on the chin because the media would have found out anyway. You know, there's some guy on our team that would have, you know, it, it was going to get out anyway. So I just like, whatever, I made a mistake and the hell with it. Well, I tell you what, if you, I think if you would have said you were sick, for sure it would have gone out. And for sure in your draft year, that would have hurt you more than just owning up to it. Yeah, and there's no repercussion. I mean, it wasn't like I was in trouble with anyone. I mean, it was fine. Everyone blows up once in a while. Don't they? <laughs> uh, yes. All the- yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, nobody's perfect. And, yeah. and there, when you're passionate about something, it's, uh, that energy at times is hard to control. Yeah, absolutely. What was it uh, the, the second year you're there, you guys win it all? And I, you know, you win the AJ, man, that's, that's a big feat. Then you get into med hat and in year two, you guys go the distance. Like, what was that year like? It was great because the first year I got there, medicine hat hadn't made the playoffs for like seven years. So they fired the coach. They got rid of the, some of the players and Willie Desjardins and Doug uh, Litster came in and Wait, did Doug come in the first year? So this is where my concussion stuff. Yeah, he was there the first year. So they come in and they rebuild this team. And we squeak into the playoffs. And, and now we're building like an identity. Our team is like we're the bad medicine hat tires. Like you come into our rank. Like we had guys that could fight. We had Darren Reed. We had all these, you know, we were a good team. And so we, we get the last spot in the playoffs, I think. And we play Swift Current, their first place. We go into Swift Current, spank them two games in a row, come home, spank them, sweep them, just punt them first rounds. We're like, now everyone knows, like, we're the real deal, you know? And we ended up losing – we ended up losing to Red Deer, who won the league in game seven in the second round. But, like, so the, so we went in after that season. That summer, we're like, okay, guys, everyone train. Let's get – we can win this whole thing, you know? And, like, Willie kept – we had some partiers, we had some, but he was really good at managing our team. And uh, we came back the next year and we're like, we started off slow. We were like 500 for like the first like 10 or 12 games. And we had every, I mean, we were an all-star team, but we were all just dicking around. And, and I remember Willie coming up, just blowing up on us on the bus. And uh, after that, I think we won like 25 games out of the, out of 27. We just went on a tear and then just, I mean, we just we, we went to the playoffs like a joke, too. We swept Everett in the final. So, it's pretty good. I went back to the Med Hat Parade. Oh, the Med Hat Parade? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was great. That was, that was a fun three years there, too, man. Love to go back and do those, do those over. Do you miss being on the buses? No. God, no. Not at all. The Iron Lung? I wrote, I mean, if 
Like, can you imagine how many times I rode around the planet on a bus? The miles it must have been incredible. The Western Hockey League, that it must have been incredible. I was a pro traveler, though. Everyone used to just lay between the seats. You all bring, like, a little foam and a pillow. Talk about, you know, who's looking good at med hat high and who isn't. You know, next thing you know, you're out cold. <laughs> My mom's shaking her head right now. I can just I can feel it already. <laughs> What was your favorite? What was your favorite trip to go on back in the dub? Where did you want to go play? Like, did you just have a barn where you walked in? You're like, yeah, I own this place. Um, where the heck did I play? I mean, I love playing in Red Deer. Red Deer was a lot of fun. Um, I used to torch Leftbridge back. That was probably my Leftbridge. I always had a heyday against. It seemed like they were the team I always had good nights against. So I was. I like going to Leftbridge. I like I like going to Regina because Chapman was in Regina. You know, and then you go to um, – where the hell is Alaska? Oh, Moose Jaw. Lee was in Moose Jaw. Like, you, you know, you see these guys, and Lee's my best friend growing up, you know. Like, so, and we, we had battled literally since we were five years old. His dad and my dad had been splitting us up every day. You know, like, I mean, we went at it. Ping pong, name, name a sport. We, we fought all the way through. So, like – you line up against them, you know, it was, it was pretty fun to see like our hard work kind of paid off and give them a little slash on the back of the legs. And, you know, it was, it was always fun playing those guys. How about uh, playing in uh, the United States? Everybody, all the kids always talk about uh, Portland or Everett or just the fans there and how crazy the barns were. Yeah, there's some good uh, Seattle. Seattle had a – they played in their NBA stadium there, so it was a mess. But um, Portland was crazy. Um, uh, where, what was it, Tri-Cities? I'm trying to think. I think Port, Portland was the one that was real – like I, you wouldn't expect hockey to be big, but it was – the rinks were packed. I always loved playing Spokane too. Spokane was awesome. What was it about Spokane? I don't know. I just like the – they had a good rank, good little town. Just a nice, nice spot. When you, you – you got the lockout in, in the NHL, and that year the World Juniors is going on. I'm sure you're foaming at the mouth to, to get the invite to be on that team. Like, what was it like stepping on with that group of guys? I don't think anyone in Canada can argue. That is like the – I remember watching that. That is the craziest group of hockey players to assemble for the World Juniors. Yeah, it was great. That team was just so – I mean, look how many franchise tags are on that team. It's incredible the amount of guys. Everyone but me pretty much. Um, <laughs> they – it was great because it was a lockout year. So like it was the show that year. Like that was like that tournament was everything because there's no hockey going on. So, you know, you get to play with Crosby and, and I used to go to, I used to go to LA with Crosby. We used to go to UCLA in the summers with our agent. This is back when I was still living in Lloyd when I was like 15, 16, I was like drive up to Edmonton, get on a flight, land in LA state UCLA for two weeks and then come back to Lloyd. Like, I was like, this is great. Uh, so I got, you know, get to play with him again, get slapped, Perry, Bergeron. Bergeron was a great guy. I mean, I got along so good with him there. Hung out with him a lot. 
Steven Dixon. That was my lineman, him and Colin Fraser. We were like just a mucker line. Pretty much what you did your whole career. <laughs> so we, but this Steven Dixon was maritime guy. He was so funny. I mean, he would just, I couldn't even look at him. Like, don't look at me. Just go away from me. Like day of the game or like, just get away from me. The guy was so funny. Couldn't even, he just couldn't take him serious at all. One of the things I remember about uh, that group was you had Sutter coaching. Yeah. And now, did you all have to have a certain type of haircut or no long hair or no facial hair or something along that lines? Yeah, he, he likes it. You know, he's a clean-cut cowboy, intense man, but great coach. Loved the guy as a coach. Loved him because he picked me. Cost me ten grand, but, you know, it was worth it in the end. You don't get on that team without paying this guy off. <laughs> yeah, he was, he was great, though. He, I think I made it because I had good games and I pl- always played pretty good against Red Deer. And he, he obviously got to see me firsthand for a couple of years. So, but he was strict. But at the same time, like nobody wants to win more than that guy. Guy's crazy. Loves to win. How so? Just, he's just so intense, so prepared. So, like, I mean, look when he played in the NHL. I mean, he was like, he was a heck of a player. So, you could just feel it. Like, when he steps in the room, he had like that. What's the word I'm looking for? An air above. I, I only got my grade 12. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you just felt the presence when he walked in the room. You say he was. Barely got my grade 12. <laughs> and you can't remember it, anyways. No. Nope. You say he was prepared. What uh, what sticks out to you looking back on some of those things? Like that, you know. I mean, by that time you you played some good hockey. Like, yeah. What, what was what separated him from other coaches at that point? He had good strategy, good systems. Knew the other the opponents in and out. Knew exactly what they were doing. We studied all that stuff. He was he was definitely ahead of the curve. So we were. You go into the game knowing the game plan and just makes it a little easier. How excited was the entire group to come up against Ovechkin and the Russians in the finals? Yeah, we wanted to, we wanted to crush him. You know, that was – he. I remember Brent pumped us up before that game and, you know, nobody swing away from him, hit him every chance, and we literally just pounded him. I mean, he left the game, I think, right halfway through or something. Yeah. Obviously, an incredible player, but we knew, you know, like if you want to, in a one game take all, you got to take him down, do it quick, you know. And so he took some big hits. And so, yeah, it was, that was a fun, really, well, the only thing better than beating the Russians would have been beating the Americans in the final, but they, they stunk, so they couldn't even get there. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait. For they look him. good, though. They're matching track suits and everything. They look like a hockey team. They just weren't one. <laughs> I can't wait for my American buddies to all be texting me. They're just going to be hating yeah. on you. Yeah. Or laughing, probably. They got a pretty good sense of humor. Who am I kidding? Yeah. I got a green card, so I'm, I'm kind of stabbing myself in the back there now. How about uh, the draft? Um, what was it? You know, different guys have different experiences with uh, talking to the teams before the draft, going through the combine, that kind of thing. Um, when you look back on it, is there 
you know, was Buffalo the team, did you think, or was there other things at play there? Yeah, there, when I did the, when I, the combine was in Toronto, so we did the whole workout thing. And then there were certain teams, like, I think I had like, I think I sat down with like 15 teams maybe or 17 teams. And there was like certain teams where there's like three guys in the room, you know? And then when I went in with Buffalo, like all 12 guys are in there and like Phoenix was another one. LA was another one. I was like, Oh, I could go to LA. That'd be nice. And uh, obviously I went to uh, Buffalo, <laughs> not the greatest city in the world, but you you could tell like the teams are really interested, really had you higher up on their list or wherever. And, I wasn't surprised when I went to Buffalo. Um, that's for sure. When you got interviewed by, say, a team like LA or, or maybe even, did you get interviewed by like, did you get interviewed by the Oilers? No, I didn't. That's too I don't bad. think I got interviewed by the Oilers. No, that was my favorite team growing up too. How dare they? <laughs> <laughs> to just rip that poster right off my wall right after the combine. When you were a free agent, did you ever think of like, hey, maybe I should go back and play for the Oilers? I know my parents did. I know they, they let me know every week. My dad was wanting me to come out west the whole time. I just, you know, uh, there's a couple teams. I thought, I thought for a while I was going to end up in Nashville, and, which would have been pretty cool. But Edmonton would have been, especially the new arena and everything, that would have been pretty cool. It just wasn't there for me. I was always, you know, more interested in the East, more cash. Not that I played for money. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, God. What, uh, what was your first game like? Because you you're a guy who played for the Rochester Americans. You, Actually, let's go your first game in Rochester because you finished your dub career and then I assume um, fly down to Rochester for their playoffs that first year. Yeah. Yeah, we finished up. We lost in the second round or something. Then my agent called and said, Rochester wants you to come up because they had a really good team in the playoffs and they were trying to win it. They're like, they want you to come and play. And I was kind of banged up. Like my shoulder was sore. I had like a sprain in my shoulder. And I was supposed to go to Cancun. So I was like, this isn't really working out as I had planned. And uh, I was supposed to go with a bunch of buddies from Lloyd, I think, to Cancun. So, you know, my dad's like, you go to Cancun when you get back. Like, you got to, you know, so I went down there and rehabbed for like a few days. And, and then I, I jumped right in the lineup and played the, the last couple of rounds with them. So that was fun just to get like a little taste of pro hockey and like playoff hockey. So this is, uh, it's good to, have that in the back of my mind going, uh, going into the next season. Was it an eye opener going and playing? Some yeah. NHL? Yeah. Cause now you're playing against the men and like the AHL now is like a glorified junior league because they had like the veteran rules and everything. But back then my whole team, like 10 guys were 30 some years old. They had three kids, you know, like full beards, like they're, you know, like they're men, like men working They're at their nine to five job. And you want to try and take a 33-year-old's job who has two kids and a rent to pay? Like, you're going to earn it. You're going to earn it, and it's going to hurt. And it did, you know? Like, I mean, no one's, no one's giving their jobs up. You know, they're trying to feed their family. And it was, uh, it was a rough uh, first, first half of the first year for me. It was tough. How so? 
just the strength. Like I thought I trained hard. Like I didn't train hard. Like these guys train hard, you know, like, so it was an eye opener and took me the whole first half of training, getting in the gym, putting in my time to build myself up and feel confident. And, uh, and then the second half I went on a tear and uh, played really well. And I led our team in points that year, I think the first year, but the first half I was, it was definitely an eye opener. What was, what was the, the life style change like going from, you know, um, the dub where you're, you're still, a, I mean, you're still a kid playing in the A. I mean, you're a young guy, but going from kind of a very structured uh, system where they kind of keep tabs on you and then heading over to pro where, you know, you got to look after yourself and, you know, if you want it, you got to be the guy pushing the, the envelope. Yeah, it was tough because you, you got to cook, you got to do your laundry. You know, I'm on the phone with my mom. How do I, you know, how do I wash my underwear? Because <laughs> like, at the billets, they're doing everything for you, you know? So like, how do I cook this? How do I, I need to get a credit card. I need to pay this bill, you know? So I put her through hell that first year, but um, that was, that was probably the, the toughest part. And then there's, and then there's half the American league guys aren't going anywhere. You know, the American leagues is ceiling for them. So like they want to go party, they want to go, you know, that's the last stop for them. And for me, I was like, I'm trying to get out of here. I'm not looking to get comfy in Raj, even though I have a place there now in the summers, but I don't know why my wife's from there, but um, I was just so focused on getting to Buffalo, you know, like I, and, um, you know, I only spent a couple of years in Roch and then I was up, but I, I didn't want to get sucked into the, you know, the Bull Durham uh, minor league because uh, that was going on. There was a lot of drinking and a lot of stuff going on if you wanted it. Well, it's, I would say a lot of people get sucked into that. You don't need to be playing in the AHL to get sucked into the party, the party lifestyle. Cause I mean, we all go through that and are all offered an opportunity to go into it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not like I didn't party. I mean, anyone listening to this that knows me knows that I've tied it on a few, you know, here and there when it's, when time's right, but you gotta have your priorities in line. And, you know, mine was to make the NHL, not, not to be the best partier on the team. What did you learn? You know, you spent, what did I say? Three years? 04, 05, 05, 06, and then starting in 06, 07, you start splitting games, I believe, into uh, yeah. into the NHL. What uh, what did you focus on while down there? What, what what did they have you working on? Were you just obviously getting stronger, building your game, confidence, you name it, but like, was there specific things you were trying to do down playing in the A? I think for me, like I recognize like, how good the top end guys are in the NHL and not everyone can play in the top couple lines. I was lucky enough to get to play second line most of my career, but there's always every coach wants like a two way guy on all those lines. So I, I worked on penalty killing. I worked on getting the puck off the wall out of my end. I worked with the assistant coaches nonstop on all these little, little things that make a big difference but nobody really wants to work on those. And I was like, I need to like separate myself somehow from everyone else. And so I tried to, 
you know, become a better two-way player, not just offense, you know, like try and have a little bit of both sides of the game going for me. And that helped me. When did you learn? When did you realize that? Like, if I don't separate myself, I could be sitting here for a while. Yeah, just I think in training camp, you know, you see like Danny Breer and you see like the top guys. You're like, wow, those guys are they're definitely better than I am. You know, like you're not taking their job. They make seven million a year. They're under contract. Like you're not getting that job, you know. So it's like, how can you make yourself? How can you find a a, a home on this team? Like, what are you gonna do? Like, you gotta, you know. So like, do I like checking? And you know, no. Of course, I don't want to get hit. I'm like a, you know. <laughs> I should have been born in Europe, <laughs> but like you have to find a way to, you know, um, you know, make an impact or help the team. And that's, you know, it doesn't take long to figure it out. If you're, that's all you're trying to do is get there. You know, you, you mentioned you didn't uh, indulge in the late night life very often, but if you were to in the A, what was the fun town to go to? In the AHL? Yeah. Oh God. Probably Chicago, just like the NHL. Chicago, best city in the U.S., hands down. Why is that? Just great atmosphere, like downtown, like the restaurants and bars and, you know, good-looking humans. That does help. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I always liked I always liked that city. Nashville's fun, too. Like, Chicago's uh, – that's the spot. Like, in the summers, too, like – Jeff's and I go once in a while to Chicago in the summer just to hang out for a couple nights and stay downtown. It's, it's a really cool place. A lot of history. It's a good spot. Hmm. I would have thought uh, so many people talk about Vegas as being that, that place. Yeah, Vegas is – well, Vegas – I wasn't even in the league when Vegas came in. I don't think – or I was hurt. I mean, I was hurt my whole – didn't they have uh didn't they have a team in the A though, Clark, or no? No. Not unless I'm drawing a massive blank. No, no, no. You'd you'd know better than I would. I thought they had a team in the A for a bit. They 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 didn't have a team when I was playing. I mean San Antonio had a team. Houston had a team. Those were pretty much the teams uh I'm trying to think of anything further than that. Yeah, Vegas definitely didn't have a team. That's got to be a, a fun spot to go now as a team, I bet. Yeah. Yeah, I've heard some good stories. I've been a few times, like, just on vacation, but it's uh, – everything's available there. <laughs> take it for – take that for what you want. <laughs> <laughs> I was listening to uh, – you know, I mean, you search your name on YouTube and it shows all your top goals, the – the the ones that uh, are the best is when Rick Jenneret is calling him. A guy has yeah. like the greatest freaking voice in the world. Yeah, like he's got to be top. I don't know five all time in the NHL for calling games. Uh, yeah. As a player, did you ever like? Do you guys even care about that? I'm trying to think if I ever cared about it, but like, oh, he's Rick a legend Jenneret, in Buffalo. Guys yeah. love him. Yeah, he's traveling with us every day. Him and it was him and Harry Neal. Harry Neal would have six Coors lights down by the time we got on the bus after the game to the airport, minimum six in his thing. I remember we were, we were leaving Pittsburgh. It's like a legendary story. We're leaving Pittsburgh after the game. We're like in traffic. 
and Lindy Ruff's the coach and Harry Neal. I like walk by his seat because they're all, all the media is up front, so they get off the bus and look in Harry Neal's seat like we always did because it was hilarious. He had eight beers in there and like a 30 minute, it was legendary. I mean, you guy would put them down like waters and like try drinking eight bottles of water. That's hard too, you know, let alone beers. So he gets, he gets off the bus and I see like we got our, you pull the bus pulls right up beside the plane. You just walk up the stairs under the plane. So I see half the guys on the walkway. It's cold out and they're all like looking down at the bus. I'm like, what's going on? Like, what's the holdup? Harry Neal has got his horn out on the front of the bus. Like the lights are shining on the bus. He's got his hand up, taking a leak right on the front of the bus, like just absolutely crippled. <laughs> and I mean, and like Lindy's like, what are you going to say? Like the guy's a legend. Like, what can you say to him? <laughs> so funny. They were, they were awesome. Him and Rick were just hilarious. Be nice to yeah. get to that legendary of status, wouldn't it, in life? Oh, my God. I don't know if I want to earn it the way Harry did. I mean, that guy's, that guy's liver's got to be like, I think the Czech liver light's been blinking for about 30 years. You read some of the old books. I was uh, just talking, me and Ken Staniforth were talking a, a day or two ago about, you know, some of the, the books that come out about old. Um, oh, I mean, like you go through Don Cherry and them guys, but I read Brian Kilray and, uh, his stories about, um, you know, getting on the bus a- after games in the OHL. And that's just what they did. And he, he was, he's back, he played back in the time of when the NHL PA, the Players Association starts, right? And they talk about hopping on the bus and here's a six pack and that's what they did, right? Like they yeah. just, they, they crush beer. Those guys went hard. They went hard. I played with Chris Chelios at the end of his career. He's a legend, legendary. Atlanta. Drink. Yeah, he could pound. I mean, he he would bring his bike right into the sauna after practice and just sweat the poison out. Guy's a maniac. Awesome was, guy. How unreal was that? Because he was forty-seven or forty-eight. Yeah, forty-eight maybe. Played thirty years. Like I barely lived thirty years. I'm thirty-five. It's crazy. 30 years in the league. Did you, when he walked in the dressing room in Atlanta, did you just kind of like ears perk up and try and catch a few things? Yeah. Well, my, my uncle roomed with his brother, Steve Chelios. So like we had like an instant connection and then he comes down here and golfs now because he's friends with Jordan too, you know? So I get to see him. I get to see him at golf and watch him drink a beer, a hole. Pretty legendary. Yeah. Still in better shape than I am, 50-some years old. Just a Greek god. Yeah. Does he just work out nonstop then? Is that like his, his gym? Yeah, he he's, just... yeah he's, he's got a sickness for sure. Just in unbelievable shape. How long are we going to chat for here? Should I make a sandwich? I mean, we've been going at it here for a little bit. I might, I might just pull up, pull, up to the, pull up to the kitchen here. We can just do this all afternoon. Uh, I'm going to be honest. I'm going to keep chatting. So if you've got to do things, you, uh, you, uh, you figure it out. It's like a cooking network here in a minute. <laughs> well, <laughs> to give you some. I'm still making the mac. I can do the mac and cheese for everyone in Lloyd. <laughs> I, uh, when I first started doing this, I targeted about an hour and then you cut off good conversations. 
And so what people would say was, why do you keep cutting fucking people off? Smarten up. And I'm like, oh, okay. So then I go an hour and a half, right? Yeah. Thinking like, geez, that's a freaking long time. And then yeah. they they hassle me again. Like, if the guy wants to talk, let him talk. I'm like, okay. So I'm not sitting here saying we're going for four hours by any stretch of the imagination. But, I mean, the other thing we can do too, Clark, is we can, we can go for another 20 minutes and then uh, I can just bug you again and couple months and we can do a second part if you want no we got we're doing part two for sure hold on i'm gonna take a picture of you i miss you man i haven't seen you forever there we go that's a good looking fucking human right there that's a good looking man right there (laughs) i'm gonna send this to you whatever you want to do brother i'm i'm available for part two i'm available to cook for everyone i can you know you tell me well you know before covid happened uh i was i was fully planning on coming down there like i was like screw it i'm I'm gonna i'm gonna fly down i'm gonna hit up uh robert oswell who lives just south here i think it's south and then i'll slide up and hit you and i like doing it in person i like sitting across from somebody and yeah yeah. bullshit and a coffee or whatever your beverage of choice is and uh it's a lot of fun that way but now shit like things are just this world we're living in it's just it's just crazy right now and so make the best of it yeah it's good they got this zoom thing i mean this is pretty cool but in person's nice yeah well if we ever get it opened up again i'll make sure i come down and you can uh absolutely destroy me on a golf game i'll i'll let you feel good uh, yeah it's either that or i come i'll come back to lloyd maybe we'll go go for on god i want to shoot one of those little bastards <laughs> i think that, i've been i've been bottled up in this house too long i just want to shoot something oh <laughs> well they're running around that that can be doable there will be 400 freaking farmers just lining up to let you come shoot some gophers yeah i bet oh, you hear that crack it's insane yeah. I don't have many years left, I don't think. Oh, got to get my golf in now. Do you so notice body just breaking down? Do you got to do uh, workouts, stretches, that kind of thing to like keep yourself limber? Yeah, for sure. I got to work the, you know, work the guns out, you know. <laughs> Put those little pieces <laughs> <a lot>. down. <laughs> <laughs> got to get these things ready for the beach here. They are pea shooters. <laughs> <laughs> How hard was it being traded on the deadline? Or did you see that coming? You're playing for yeah, Buffalo. Now you're, now you're up and you're like, you're playing. I th- correct me if I'm wrong, Clark, but you guys playing with Buffalo hadn't made the playoffs again for a little bit of a stretch. And you're on a team that is for sure making the playoffs that year. And then at the deadline, you get dealt to Atlanta. Yeah, they deal. That's what they do. They deal the dead weight. So they, they pushed me out of town. It was to get traded because that was the first time I'd been traded. And, like, literally when you get traded, like, that afternoon, I got on a flight, went to Atlanta, got picked up, went to a hotel, played the next day. I was, and, like, you just have to, like, get your life together. It was crazy. Like, I packed my wooden suit box or what is George Strait? What's that song? Pack a box. I can't remember. Anyway, but, yeah, I just, you know, like, 
it was it was a tough month and a half that I was there for sure. I did not enjoy my time there. I liked the city and everything. It was just such a cluster the whole time. And we had like 17 Russians on the team. I don't love that either. Tough playing with different uh, nationalities? No, they just – like Russians are like, you know, they're like the Russian mafia, you know. Like they kind of just hang out with each other. They speak Russian in the room. They – not that they're bad guys. I played with Kuleman and Grabowski in Toronto. They're two of my best buddies when I played there. They're awesome guys. Uh, but it was just like a divided team. We had a bunch of Swedes. We had a bunch of Russians. We had, you know, we didn't have enough farmers. That was the problem. So you like playing with the good old Sasky boys? Yeah, I like just playing with the regular Joe guys. Talk about Pilsner. <laughs> <laughs> How many bunnies are on the bottle? <laughs> now you're going back yeah no kidding is that still what's your beer choice right now what what is I'm, the what is the thing down in in florida i drink coors light pretty much whatever's cold but coors light Coors light like, what are you drinking might as well just drink water <laughs> especially american beers they're a little lighter aren't they i don't know they yeah they they definitely aren't good. Americans are soft. They got to, you know, take a couple percent off the alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> God, I miss, you know, when uh, I was in college, be surrounded. I, well, in college in the States, you're surrounded by, you got Americans everywhere, but now you're surrounded by American hockey players. We used to watch World Juniors all the time. That was the greatest. It was, and the yes. Olympics went on uh, while we were there too, and. So you just get to absolutely raz each other. Like, yeah. Just great. Yeah. Oh, it's so it's always there's it's always that battle, you know, between Canada and US that never goes away, it seems like. We used to do uh a shootout challenge, I think it was like once a week, the Can Am challenge where the Canadians would go against the Americans. You guys do yeah. that at the end of practice or anything like that? Yeah, we did some stuff like that once in a while. Little little games like that. All the countries go against each other or whatever, yeah. What's uh what are some of the things you miss? You know, you've been out of the league, you know. What's some of the things you miss about playing the game? Obviously, uh the paycheck. Yeah. I miss I miss scoring a goal. Like that for like two seconds after you score a goal, you get this like ecstasy that you can never I've never been able to get well maybe like if I pour an eagle in on or a birdie in on Jordan on 18 for the cash I'm pretty happy but uh there's just this feeling you get that it's like I've never been able to like get that feeling again so that's that's kind of what I miss I miss that I miss I miss a lot of things about playing I mean I don't miss being hurt I don't miss the grind I don't miss that but I miss the guys the travel, you know, you get on a jet. Yeah, I mean, life is good. So i very grateful for getting to see that life. Well, that, that'd be an eye-opener, I would assume, going from even the Western League where you're on a bus going everywhere to now you're on jets flying the world, flying the North America. Yeah, playing Texas Hold'em. Nothing better. What was What was the media frenzy like? Like, you go to the Leafs, and 
I know, you know, all the places you played, I'm sure the media is all over you, but Toronto's just a special place. When you watch some of the behind scene footage of those places, like Toronto is on a different level altogether. Was that something you thrived on or was it like, it just like, what is this? I liked it at first and then it gets old really quick. Like how quick is really quick? Like two weeks, two months. Probably like the second year. I was just sick of it. Like 50 media people in the dressing room every single day asking the same questions. Like, cause there's so many papers or something. It's like, and then we weren't, we, we didn't have a good team that first year. So it's like, you know, they're just, you couldn't even, I mean, you, we'd go to dinner, but you couldn't even go out in town. Like we just stopped. I would just order in, you know, you go to dinner and, Hey, like it was like right out of slap shake. You work on that power play. Like, yeah, yeah, we're working on it. You know, or like, or or like, hey, you know, you you look up from your spaghetti and meatballs, and there's like twelve people looking at you. You're like, huh, you know, like it was it was cool to have that experience because you're like a New York Yankee when you play for the Leafs. But at the same time, like, I don't know. I've never been huge on the crowds and the that kind of stuff. So, what would you guys do to get away from that? Like, would you, I don't know. Like, when you, well, when you have a day off or something, no one's seen anyone. Everyone hates everyone anyway. <laughs> you know, we've been together six days in a row. Like, you get the one day off a week. And I just sat in my apartment, ordered from this burger joint I loved. We always had Sundays off, and I just watched football. Who's your football team? I like the Packers. I used to like the, I don't know. I don't even, ever since they started kneeling in the anthem, I don't really like football anymore. Are you a Bucks fan right now? A Bucks, yeah, that's crazy. He went there. Actually, uh, the owner of the Bucks, um, his family lives beside us in Rochester. The Glazer family. So I, I've been to a couple Bucks games and went and sat with them in the owner suite, and it's pretty cool. They own they own that team. I actually got a funny story about this. If you want to keep this thing on air, um, his name's Joel Kasowitz, and he's a member at Oak Hill Golf Course in Rochester, where I'm a member. And we're playing the invite, and I got – I can't remember who I had there as a partner. I think I had Kessel. Phil Kessel usually comes and plays with me. And uh, we get down the first hole, and, uh, like, if you if you live in Roch, you're a Bills fan. You're a Buffalo Bills fan, even though they stink. Like, you have to be a Bills fan, right? Uh, <clears throat> and he's got this Bucks hat on, and the Bucks were awful too. And he, it was, like, the second or third hole. I'm like, nice hat. He was like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, what a terrible team they are. You know, like just kind of like chiming him. He's like, "Yeah, I know we have to wear it, though. We own the team." I'm like, "Oh, okay." I'm like, "Oh, they're actually pretty good." You know, I don't mind them. <laughs> they, so they own they own the Bucks and Manchester United. How about that? Have you gone over to watch a Manchester United game? No, no. Screw screw the Bucks, Clark. Get oh, over. Yeah. It. Bucks. The Bucks are three hours from here, though. That's the only reason I went to that. Yeah, well, you you three hours is nothing. Yeah. How was the owner's box? Nice. Nice. Very You're gonna nice. give. How was the owner's box? It was. It was nice. It was nice. Like <laughs> really, it was nice. That's the word. Whatever you're thinking, that's what it was. That's how nice it was. I don't know. I'm not like an interior design. Like, uh, I mean, it was like a nice bar. Like, I mean. <laughs> You know, I really like the granite countertops they picked. <laughs> yeah, it was it was pretty cool. And me and Joel were betting on the game. 
like a little side action. So I had Cincinnati and he had, and he had the Bucks. obviously he's, that's his team. So we're, we're, we're sitting there and it's like a tight game and his wife's sitting beside him and her family owns a team and comes down to the field goal at the end of the game. And, and Cincinnati has a chance to win the game. And literally they I can't remember we're gambling, maybe a thousand, 500,000 bucks for the game. And he, they kick it. It's like a 50 yard field goal, right, right down the chute, right to the thing. And I'm like, yeah, like I just, like just reacted like, cause I won the bet. And he, yeah. He's like, and he like looked over at me. He's like, you know, like not now my wife's right there. Like, I don't, you know, it was so funny. That was the last time I've been there though. That was my last invite. And you didn't get invited again. Which is kind of, <laughs> kind of rude by them. I win and I don't get to come back. What kind of, that's a joke cheering for the Bucks losing. Yeah, you can't invite that guy back. No, that's fine. I got my I got my t-shirt. I'm done there. Got my free football. He's like, who do you want to sign it? I'm like, I don't know one guy on this team. You guys are in last place. He's, you know? It's like someone asking me for a signed hockey puck. <laughs> do they really want it? I doubt it. <laughs> you know what that, that brings up is when you did undercover pro and you were phil you remember that in sport check yeah that's funny shit man yeah that was fun did you actually sell a jersey or was that freaking total bs they to this day i don't know i'm sure they staged that because i mean were was he gonna buy macarthur jersey i don't know you know not the easiest thing no, if listeners don't know what the heck I'm talking about, go search, I don't know, Undercover Pro Clark MacArthur or something like that on YouTube. And Clark is uh, Employee of the Month, Phil. Who, yeah. Phil Johnson. <laughs> <laughs> who goes yeah, around the fun. store with a camera crew. It was pretty good. I enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah, like, was that like a standard thing or was it because you were starting to kind of show up as one of the, one of the players, one of the guys. Uh, that was the, the first year there. We had a lot of attention, our line, like me, Grabowski and Kuhlman. We were having a really good year. So we, I don't know. We, we ended up getting quite a bit of like side deal stuff, you know, like cars and, you know, in Toronto, they, they make it widely available to go speak to corporate or do, you know, do certain things. So what was the I coolest started, corporate gig you did then? Uh, we went to some, I went to an indie car or uh, what is it called? I don't know. Like, indie car race, whatever okay. it was. And we're like in the corporate tent there and just a cool event, you know, people all dressed up, myself included, you know, drinking having dinner, watching the race, the race is going around, you know. What'd you think uh, of that? The the race. Sorry, I mean. it wasn't Indy. Sorry, it Stock was Formula cars? One. Oh, Formula One. Yes. So it was like you know, and then they're, they're gone again. You know, and like you go back to eating your steak or whatever you're eating. So what did you think of that? What do you think of the races? Like, were the races good, or are you just like, that's kind of fucked up? Like, I don't. Even, you're not even seeing anything. I I mean, I barely even watched. I was just mingling, you know, having a good time. It's more about the. It was just a cool setup. We were sitting up above everything. It was just like a bunch of cool people in there and like myself, you know. When you look back on it, I mean, 
not that you can top Jordan because Jordan is Jordan, and now you've get thrown up Tom Brady. But when you look back on your playing days, who is the one person who walked into whether it's the dressing room or walks into a bar you're at and sits down with you? When you think back on like cool experiences and cool people that walked in and you got to sit and bullshit with for twenty minutes, who who's a person that sticks out? Uh, I think like the biggest name was like Crosby then probably like he would have been like the wow factor of hockey, but I'm trying to think, uh, I don't know. I'm just thinking about Mac and cheese right now. Oh, you know who I met last year was, uh, I go to this Joe Namath, um, I go to this Joe Namath, uh, golf tournament at Trump right down the road here. And, uh, got to golf or was on the driving range and kind of hung out with uh, Bobby Orr for a little bit, which is really cool. Bobby Orr. Yeah. Yeah. He lives, he lives down here. And uh, my dad's one of my dad's really good friends, Barry Gibbs. Do you know that name? Yep. Yeah. Right. You're like Googling it down below right now. It's Barry Gibbs. <laughs> it's G I B B S. If you want to like <laughs> pretend like, you know, he was like first or second overall drafted and he was <laughs> Calls Bobby me on my fucking bullshit. Fuck you. buddy. And he's, and he's, and he's Bobby Orr's. he was Bobby Orr's D partner. So I said to him, my dad's good friends with Barry Gibbs and we and instantly he's like, Oh, how's Gibby doing? Like all that, you know, it's pretty, so it was pretty neat. And, and I know Barry Gibbs very well just cause he come to our house and hang out and he's a great guy. And, you know, I played in the NHL for a long time too. Well, this is what we're going to do, because I know you want to get to your mac and cheese and everything else. It's a, it's the third or fourth time you brought it up. Your stomach's, stomach's rumbling. I can't keep you focused anymore. I got to keep, I'm going to have to plug my phone or my iPad in here. I told, I told you we were going to use it all. I thought this was like a four minute interview. Thank God I got this nice comfy chair to sit on. Well, now you know. What we're going to do is we're going to go into the Crude Master. <laughs> we're going to go into the Crude Master Final Five. We're going to end it on this segment. And then what we're going to do is in a month's time, we're going to have part two. Love it. Okay. So here's the Crude Master Final Five. It's the last segment of the podcast. Uh, Heath and Tracy McDonald, sponsors of the podcast. Huge uh, shout out to them. Um, it's just five questions. Clarky, you take it as long or as short as you want so you can get back to your mac and cheese. Okay. If you could pick your line mates, who would you play with? Do I have to say like Lloyd guys? Anyone you want, current, past, who you played with, who you didn't play with, against, you name it. Um, Scotty Hartnell I'd play with. And who could be throwing our line with us? Crosby, McDavid. I got about five guys I'd like to play with. McDavid, actually. Actually, I'm kicking Hartnell out. I'm going to take Crosby and McDavid. <laughs> <laughs> how, how sad, well, I'm sure you're like the rest of us, that, the Olympics didn't happen and those two guys didn't get to play on the same team. Yeah. I mean, I didn't lose any sleep over, but yeah, I would like to have seen it. <laughs> if you could have coffee with one person or beer or whatever your beverage is, you can sit down with one person. Who would you take? Yeah, mm. that's such a hard one. I've been watching this last dance, so maybe Rodman. Love to hear a couple of his stories. Rodman would be fun. Yeah. Can you believe he got to go on hiatus for like four days in the middle of a season? Yeah. 
It's crazy. Absolutely crazy. What's been your favorite COVID hobby? What have you been uh, up to? Obviously golf. Golf. Golf, golf, more golf. My favorite sport. Who is your favorite media guy? Media guy? Yeah. Who did you like talking to that you give you. time of day? You. Well, that's, that's an awfully nice compliment. I guess I've won you over in an hour and 20 minutes. Is that all? It's, I, thought it's been, I thought we were up going on four hours here. <laughs> been that painful. Could joke, I, could be, I could be in Calgary by now. If I was, you know, started in Lloyd, I'd be just pulling into the city. Well, get on a fucking plane. Let's do it. <laughs> maybe, maybe this summer. So who's, your, so who's your favorite media guy? Favorite media guy. Was there a favorite guy? There wasn't a guy who walked in the dressing room and you're like, you know what? I'll talk to Bo over there because, you know, he's been pretty good. Bruce Garriott and uh, Donnie Brennan in Ottawa are pretty flying guys. They uh, come, in, come in the dressing room after games? Yeah. Yeah, they're with our team. Yeah, they're good guys. All right. Final one for you so I can let you get on to back to golf, nurse your hangover. <laughs> <laughs> who's the best there. <laughs> who's the best player that uh when you stepped on the ice whether they were playing with you against you and you're just like like holy crap like so good you mean yeah datsuk what did what datsuk like not like you played against ovechkin crosby yeah, I think I just Datsuk was just so good everywhere, you know. Like those guys are really good offensively, but if you get them in their own end, like it's not like the worst thing in the world. Like Datsuk was like just dangerous everywhere. Hmm. I mean, that's my two cents. I mean, I don't know. Well, you're the guy who played them. I'm. Yeah. I'm the guy who watches the game. I I enjoyed watching you play, Clark. Oh, look at my – hold on a sec. My wife's out the window. She's like, hey, I need to come in and shower. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's great. Well, okay. Hey, I really enjoy it. Appreciate you taking some time to sit down with me. We'll make sure we hook up for part two. All right, brother. Thanks for having me. You bet. Take care. Hey, folks. Thanks again for joining us today. If you just stumble on the show and like what you hear, please click subscribe. Remember, every Monday and Wednesday, a new guest will be sitting down to share their story. The Sean Newman Podcast is available for free on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, and wherever else you find your podcast fix. Until next time.